welcome listeners to the season four premiere of Drinking and Screaming. Pew, pew, pew. Woo! A queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And this week we're so happy to be back watching The Exorcist from 1973. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to be a refreshing, non-alcoholic punch sure to show-stop your mom's party. Because <laughs> you pees. <laughs> this episode will contain discussion on sexual assault and sexism. If these are things that you need to not hear today, feel free to skip this episode. So, it's been a while... Been a while since I've been friends. But I made the drink this week, and it's called Reagan's Party Punch. God. Oh, no. And I made it, and it's good, and it's just a fun punch to have at a party, and it has nothing to do with what Reagan does at the party that her mom throws, which is pee on the floor, and this drink is definitely a lot yellow, and it's fine. I don't know. It, it's all the things you said. It's not. So I <laughs> think you. I think you might be lying just a tad. <laughs> but it's very sour. Um, and my favorite thing about this is a mocktail. We do our audience feedback surveys at the end of every season, and we got uh, some feedback that people would like some more cocktails that they can enjoy without alcohol. Just looking at these ingredients, I know that this is a char drink, and I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> This is amazing, and you know it. Here we go. Nom, 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 nom. Oh, boy. Don't let Callie's reaction oh ruin it for you. This drink is amazing. Hello. Oh, my God. It is incredibly uh, fruity. I was going to say sour. It also is sour, but I wouldn't say incredibly sour. It's pretty dang sour, y'all. <laughs> Oh. And it's a little bit bubbly because I, I it's got some soda water in there. Oh boy, it uh, kind of tastes like a lemon Jolly Rancher. Thank you. It, but like, I mean, they're the worst ones. Everyone knows that cherry is the best. Yeah, well, lemon is pea colored, so there's also blood in this movie. So you could have made cherry. <laughs> Call it uh, blood. Uh, Reagan spider mouth blood. Oh, man, though. This is really good. When I first took my test sip to make sure it was how I wanted, I was really happy because I don't even miss alcohol in this beverage. It just feels like a fun party drink. I think the only reason that I would miss alcohol in this is because when you make a drink like this and it has alcohol in it, by the time I get to the end, my mouth has been numbed a little bit. <laughs> but I'm going to be feeling this the entire time. Yay! Yay. I even gave you the little fancy cup. Thank you. It's so fancy. Yep. Just like at a party. Whoa. So this week we watched The Exorcist, which premiered on December 26th, 1973. It's directed by William Friedkin, and it's based on the novel of the same name by William Peter Blatley. And that author actually wrote the screenplay for this as well. It's I, I like to think that the director's name is William Friedkin, and he's actually the kin of fried things. Well, I did not look up an interview with him, so maybe his name is Friedkin. <laughs> Tee -hee. Probably not, but I just hope that it is. <laughs> this film stars Ellen Burstyn as a successful actress and mother, Chris McNeil. Max von Sydow as Father Marin, who's, you know, he's a priest. And Linda Blair as totally normal, not possessed 12-year-old Reagan. Yeah, and didn't make this drink. Not at all. <laughs> 
We have a synopsis that is listener submitted on our first episode back. Holy cow. Whoa. If you want your synopsis to be read on the show, feel free to email it to us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. We always let you know at the end of episodes what we're watching next week. And then you can you can be a part of the show. But this one's from Kelly's mom, so it kind of doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> the, the writer of the real deal in full quotations, Ooh, made, shade. made this synopsis. <laughs> the Exorcist is a story about a young girl forced to sit at the kitchen table until she has eaten all of her pea soup, only to throw it all back up later that evening. Oh, wait, that was just a flashback to something that happened to me when I was a child. This horror classic debuted in 1973, and to this day, everyone still talks about that infamous scene where Linda Blair vomits all over her bedroom and the people standing around her. Linda Blair plays 12-year-old Reagan, a product of a broken home. Her mother, Chris, a successful actress, moves the two of them to Washington, D.C., where she is filming a movie. Bored on the set, Reagan entertains herself by playing with what all 12-year-olds should be playing with, a Ouija board. I guess back in those days, it was sold as a harmless child's board game, but not this one. Reagan brings in all the bad jujubes and (laughs) she wrote jujubes. (laughs) And before you know it, she is 100% possessed by a demon. Reagan soon starts cursing and swearing, stealing, wetting her pants, speaking in tongues, throwing people out windows. And yes, what I love the most in a horror movie, contorting her body and crawling all over the place. After tried and failed conventional attempts to cure Reagan, and when I say that, I mean sedate the poor child, the priests are brought in, and after a pretty cool exorcism scene, the demon jumps from her to one of the priests, who immediately throws himself out the window. Spoiler. Movie ends with Reagan totally oblivious to what happened to her while she was possessed. Unlike me, who will never forget that creepy contorting stare scene. Hey, that was pretty good. Yeah, something something tells me that my mom watched this when she was young, and that... Has haunted her ever since because that's like the only thing she really extremely hates from horror movies is people crawling downstairs or along walls or something. Yeah. And that's like a pretty iconic scene from this movie, which is something I will talk about later. But first, possess me with that trailer. Audio. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is another world. Nobody believed it. And nothing could stop it. You probably know as much about possession as most priests. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. You tell me you know for a fact that an exorcism wouldn't do any good. You tell me that! The one hope. The only hope. The exorcist. That was a trailer. It was. It, um, I think it gave enough like mystery as to the entire movie without giving too much away. Yeah. The only thing you got from that is that there's a 12 year old girl who gets possessed and her mom is sad about it. Yeah. (laughs) And she gets the exorcist. Whoa. Apparently the teaser for this movie was just the like, uh, face of the demon, like blinking in and out of the darkness and some theaters wouldn't show it because it was too scary. Ooh. That's just a little scaredy fact ahead of everything else for you. Holy cow. Get ready for some of those. <laughs> oh, God, don't. There's it's there's so many facts about this movie. <laughs> it is ridiculous how is many. There? So many. I have literally never seen a trivia section 
larger than this one. So shocking. You know, I really didn't think that a film that was this iconic would have a lot of trivia about it. Speaking of, that actually goes pretty well into my thoughts. So <laughs> I'm going to steal that statement as a segue. All right. Uh, I, I mentioned this a lot, but this is once again one of those movies where there are just too many analyses, analysis I, analyses for me to feel comfortable giving my own. Like, I don't feel uh, insightful enough to give my own personal uh, analysis of this movie. Yeah, which I think is you should, but it's fine. <laughs> but like, <laughs> there's just like it's so it's been it's been covered by so many people who are more insightful than me uh, <laughs> that I feel like Andy from The Office. This muffin is bad. That yep. art is bad, except this movie's great, so it doesn't make sense. And once again, this movie is one of those movies where what Aaron says fits so well. I like the part where they're all happy in the yeah. beginning. <laughs> um, but it also contains a lot of like religious Im imagery that I don't claim to understand that is like expertly used in this movie to give like foreshadowing and, and imagery and stuff like that. So it's hard for me to go into it being like, ah, yes, every frame of this movie represents something because I genuinely have not studied theology in any way to know anything about that. Yeah, this was a film that uh, was not covered in that one movie course I did. Yeah. But it's definitely, of course, a classic horror film. It's definitely covered in a lot of feminist horror film novels and like uh, not novels, but like essays and books mm. uh, like Men, Women and Chainsaws talks about The Exorcist. Even though it's not really a slasher, there's a lot to be said about like, uh, I'm just doing what you said you wouldn't do. Yeah. <laughs> Here are other people that I think we actually used it for um, uh, like composition because there's a lot of like uh, rule of thirds or like left side being the weaker side of the frame and Ooh. right side being stronger. Yeah. Or like people, people moving from right to left is a sign of weakness. People moving from left to right is a sign of gaining power. Uh, and there's a lot of that in this movie. That, so I think we mostly used it for that. Okay. Cool. Also, just like the composition anytime that the uh, exorcist and uh, the demon are like together in frame is really good. But uh, that being said, because there's so much symbology, uh, symbolism, symbology, symbology, our um, new word. Um, and like there's so much care taken for like every detail of this movie uh, that I find that every time I watch it, I do notice something different, whether or not it's something that like. I could just learn by reading a thing. I personally noticed something different every time. Yeah, yeah. The most embarrassing one is that I always assumed that Father Karras was Italian, but then when we watched it now, we watched it with subtitles and it said speaking in Greek, and I was like, fuck, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's something I learned, is that they are in fact Greek and not Italian. Well, there you go. Uh, one of my points is that I didn't even, this isn't the first time that I watched this film, but I totally forgot about that whole opening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That that happens a lot because I think <laughs> the bulk of the movie happens in uh, their house with Reagan. Yeah. And a lot of people mostly remember all the Reagan scenes that they forget the beginning of the movie starts in Iraq. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my second point. Mm. Uh, this is a theory that I've been building in my own mind and I personally couldn't find anyone talking about it so maybe my first point is moot but I think it's really interesting that Chris uh, Reagan's mom is shown to be a lot of things that like go against God yes we talked about this while we were watching yeah this is my personal theory so. I like it no 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 this is a good one I PM, think you're PM, right don't steal 
Uh, like she curses a lot, um, often using like the Lord's name in vain. Uh, she's an actress and like Christianity has like historically believed that theater is anti-Christ. The They're, arts are bad. Yeah, they've been anti-theatrical a lot in the past. And also, I have this running theory that she might be gay. Ooh. They always show uh, her and Sharon being like really close. And when they talk to each other, it's always like this familiarity that you would probably get through a romantic relationship. And when Chris and Reagan move away, Sharon is like very sad. Yeah. Uh, which could just be nice, wholesome friends, whatever. Close not, friend, yeah. Not boning at all. But I don't know. Her husband left for a reason, so... Her husband seemed like a giant asshole. Well, listen, maybe he pulled a Ross and took his divorce when he found out his wife was a lesbian very poorly. And then just abandoned his kid. Yeah, checks out. And then died in most fanfics. <laughs> um, she's also a divorced, which. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Is, bad, uh, bad Christian right there. We simply cannot have. Oof. Uh, so part of me thinks that like that was. That was either done to show that like there's this family isn't as wholesome and like, you know, a, a above demons as some people normally are shown. Like you think of all like other possession movies like Amityville, that family seemed chill. Um, yeah. The Conjuring, they're like this perfectly wholesome family. Yeah. But uh, Chris is like portrayed as this anti-Christ mom. Oh. So I think it's kind of it's kind of interesting. It also oh. shows that she has like literally no way of uh competing against this demon because she's not a faith-driven holy person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she still is so open to the idea of having an exorcism, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Like, she, she does the the doctor, she does the psychiatrist, she does everything she can, and then she's like, fuck it. It's probably a demon for real, yeah. then. <laughs> she uses the one thing that um, non-faith-driven people have, which is a love for their child and a... And a unending desire to save them yeah and it's also like we've talked about this on the show before how much women struggle to be diagnosed with anything yeah i mean in this case it's the opposite and it is that she needs an exorcism <laughs> but still that struggle of being believed and like what is going on at so many doctors they get the runaround oh go see this specialist oh yeah. i don't know go see him is very prevalent here and it's so annoying when that happens in real life to me yeah I mean, it's also good that she's an actress because she's got a lot of money for those hospital bills because yeah. they'd be fucked. <laughs> so many tests. And they live in America. Uh, yep. For all of our listeners who live in America. <laughs> uh, and my third point is that I think I've seen this movie eight times, uh, but I've never seen one of the sequels. I don't know why. I It's not that I don't have an interest in seeing them. It's just... For some reason, The Exorcist doesn't scream like movie marathon to me. Yeah. Well, because most movie marathons that we do are kind of trash. Like <laughs> schlocky slasher <laughs> movies. Yeah. But that's what makes them so fun to marathon. Yeah. Whereas like with The Exorcist, it's like, all right, tonight's Exorcist night. And then we're going to settle down after that. <laughs> it's such an it's such an art movie <sighs> that we can't possibly follow it up with anything else. Do you know anything about the sequels? I know things that popped up in trivia and okay. that's about it. Yeah. I know that ca some characters come back um, and I know roughly the plot. Uh, there was also a TV series that apparently was not good. I did not know there was a TV series. It was apparently not good. <laughs> there's also like all the like Exorcist Begins and like there's probably Exorcist Returns, Ex Exorcist Requiem. 
Exorcist Rebirth. Exorcists Uncut. <laughs> Uncensored. Triple I X. I was going to say that the only thing I know is that in one of the sequels, there's like one of the best jump scares of all time. <gasps> I can't remember if it's the second one or the third one, but I know what the scene is, but I don't want to say it now because if you don't, I don't, I don't want to ruin the, the scare for you when we watch it. Is it? No, because the I was going to say, is it that the face that they always used for like those internet gags? No, because that's Reagan. Yeah, that's Reagan. Yeah. Or it's the demon face, the yeah. like pale one. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Maybe but a fun jump scare awaits us if we do watch the sequels. Is it the second one or the third one? <laughs> that's what I'm just, I can't remember, okay. but I know what. So you got to watch both. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Sounds good. Yep. It's time for Whispers from Beyond. This is the part of the show where we like to say thank you to our listeners who review us on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, on wherever you might tweet about us. Um, we go through those. They make us very happy. And we want to say thanks. So we read them on the show. This uh, is from Jay Sheppy from Australia. They wrote this review on Apple Podcasts and it says informative and sweetly fun. I really love Char and Kelly. Huh? They are great hosts and really break down a movie in a way that is fun and easy to understand. I love horror movies, but don't get much time to watch them. So drinking and screaming really helps me narrow down my to watch list. Oh, hell yeah. So I know I'll enjoy the movies I do get to see. Highly recommend and please check out their Patreon for bonus content if you can. Pew, pew, pew. Patreon.com slash drink and scream. We don't even need to advertise it. That's so nice. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. Um, yeah, we're glad that you enjoy the show. Uh, we really have fun with it. It feels so nice to be back. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been like two months of us. I mean, we do need to take breaks. It gets uh, a bit much. We have full time jobs and whatnot. But speak it- for yourself, lady. <laughs> I'm destitute. <laughs> and I love it. But yeah, I'm so happy to be back. We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. Well, guess what, folks? We've made some changes to our Patreon. Now you can have access to all of our bonus episodes for only $5 a month. We want our special content to be more accessible, so we've made some major discounts on all our tier prices. Being a patron gets you access to exclusive voting power to decide what we should watch next, free swag, digital cocktail recipe cards, discount codes to our merch store, and so much more. You can find out more at patreon.com slash drinkandscream. We also have a super special message to read from one of our patrons. Jenny Owens says, I love your show. I'm a Canadian graphic designer. If anyone is interested, they can check out my spooky artwork at JennyOwens.ca or at JennyOwensArt on Instagram. Keep the awesome episodes coming, you two. Thanks for being a patron, Jenny. Your artwork is so great. It's so spooky. So spooky. I really love the Call of Cthulhu uh, or Call of Cthulhu brew <laughs> art that you've done. <laughs> that is like a little Cthulhu monster holding a beer. I think that's adorable. So cute. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream, on Facebook at drink and scream, and you can email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. For more information and to go buy some merch, go to drinkingandscreaming.com. I'm wearing a buddy approved sweater right now. It's so cute. Also, my PJ hoodie is a drinking and screaming hoodie, and it's seen better days. Because <laughs> you wear it like every day. <laughs> Back to the episode. Ah. That's where your mother is. (laughs) 
what are your thoughts? My first point is that this film is actually horrific. (laughs) (laughs) And I originally, when I was thinking of what I wanted to say, I I was my main point was like, wow, this film is actually scary. But I thought about my word choice here because the word horrific is really the better word because there are a few like intense scares, like particularly that jump scare of the demon overlay in the kitchen. Mm. Uh, that's there for like a second and it's like, oh, scary. Blink and you miss it. Yeah. Ah, a real blink and you miss yeah. it. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of like slow building unease and uh, like malaise. I'm so French. Um, and <laughs> the like, lingering malaise. Yeah. And there's like a lot of disturbing things that happen in this film that stick with you. Like in the synopsis that your mom wrote, it's a prime example. She watched this when she was a kid. And it's stuck with her, you know? Yeah. And um, my mom's also a wuss, though, so. (laughs) Rude. (laughs) But uh, I forgot about the scene where Reagan, like, stabs herself in the vagina with the crucifix. Yeah. And online, people are like, she masturbates with the crucifix. And I'm like, that's not really what that was? I'm sorry if that's how you masturbate. You might need... (laughs) To watch some instructional videos, yeah. I think. And like, yeah, it's this is a bit like intense to go talk about, but this is what the show is. But yeah, um, there was blood involved and also she's possessed. So it's basically you can't call it masturbating because yeah. she's not doing it. Yeah, it's her hands doing it, but she's not doing it. So that was really intense. And I was I forgot about it. And then it happened. I was like, ah. I always forget when it happens in the movie, but I can't forget that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, of course, the stair creepy crawling on the stairs, which is really cool. Yeah. Or the iconic head turning around. Yes. I have a little um, uh, figurine of Reagan on her bed in that scene of like that moment. But the head does not swivel. Oh, that'd be a good bobblehead that turns around. (laughs) I also a quick scaredy fact because I didn't include it. I've never realized, but that's in reference to uh, the man she pushes out the window because his head spins completely around. And then the demon says, do you know what your C word daughter has done? And it's in reference to the fact that he made her. uh, Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought it was just a random act of scariness. And then my next point is that I wanted to talk about something that doesn't stick with me, which is the opening scene, (laughs) which I kind of already touched on. But. I know that you don't like doing your film analysis for classic horror tropes, but can you please tell regurgitate film analysis for that opening scene for me? I mean, the idea is that um, uh, Father Marin is supposed to be an archaeologist for religious artifacts, mm-hmm. and he's investigating this site that is... Um, one sec. Let me look through my notes real quick. <laughs> uh, he's investigating a site that is an ancient Assyrian site, which is not Christianity, but then he finds uh, like symbols of Christianity there. Right. Uh, and then he finds the statue of the demon and it's supposed to him be him having like premonitions of this demon coming to life, basically. And they have that like showdown where they're like staring at each other. Yeah. it's So it's basically the equivalent equivalent of like the opening scene to Friday the 13th where you see the murderer from their perspective then. Yeah. Um, Good or not like, spoiling. Or like any time <laughs> that like it shows someone dying and then that person being the ghost later on or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's really just supposed to show that uh, Father Marin had premonitions of this and also this demon is is coming. It's yeah. coming for you. I just 
I feel like I could do without it. The film is a bit long mm. and I feel like that to me, it didn't add anything to the movie. I think we've also only ever watched the director's cut of this movie. The theatrical cut is a lot shorter and doesn't include a lot of scenes. So I don't know if there's parts of that opening shot that is like smaller, maybe. Huh. I, I didn't even know that we've only watched the yeah. director's <laughs> cut. Well, now I feel fancy. <laughs> I always kind of I like that shot because I historically love uh, sad men doing things in horror <laughs> movies. I just love I don't know why. It's like my favorite trope in a horror movie is just sad men. <laughs> But to make this point a little bit better, I do want to say that there are many things that do stick with you. Like, again, I said this is a pop culture icon, but it gets referenced so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, like the scary maze that you have to do on the Internet and then that scary face pops up. That's Reagan. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother once showed me and my sister this like karaoke video of the love song and it's got all the lyrics on it and then it's like ah! and it's her <laughs> to be fair though my brother did tell me to close my eyes before that um, part happened and i kept my eyes open so i mean it's also me. like spawned so many horror movies like yeah. it's inspired so many directors and writers to make different things and it started linda blair's career and she's like a typical reference now in every horror film that is ever released uh-huh but this is the only time she uh, ever won or was nominated for an Oscar. Mm. I can't remember. It's sad. Yeah, there's just so many iconic moments that are so well done. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool. It's quite a well put together movie with yeah. very iconic scenes. Yeah. And then my last point, um, damn, again, I touched on this. I'm out of practice with my drinking. Is We're supposed to go in order. I'm sorry. You've ruined your own points by bringing them up earlier. <laughs> but exorcism and possession films frequently have women at the center of them. And it's always hyper focused on either motherhood or sexual desires. And I just want to know why are women's vaginas so scary? I think it's literally like the innocence of the baby for yeah. motherhood, at least. And it's like you should be able to trust your own body to make a child. But then if it doesn't, that's that's scary. Yeah. It's just like annoying that women are always put in these boxes. And I say boxes on purpose eh. uh, that we're not allowed out of. And like we're not allowed to be desirable. Like you said, like the baby is innocent, but also like mothers have to be innocent. Like young women have to be innocent. We're not allowed to be desirable because then we're called sluts or whores and like we're not allowed to want sex either we're just bad i think that's dumb yeah there's literally no winning but what's really good about this film is that you kind of talked about this chris is a really cool single mom she's like super successful she's rich af uh she's an actress she's able to support her daughter they're like building a house but then like when it comes down to it she's still really involved in reagan's life and cares a lot about her. And I think that that's really cool. Yeah. So it was nice that they didn't like completely vilify the mom and make her like incompetent. Mm -hmm. That was good. It kind of reminds me of like Rosemary's baby, where even at the end, when she finds out that her baby's literally a demon, she still wants to take care of it. Yeah. 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 But of course, in the trailer, we even hear Chris saying like, that thing upstairs is not my daughter. <laughs> it's kind of the opposite. <laughs> So as I mentioned, I don't know shit all about religion or anything, so I got to turn to the good book. That's right. It's time to open the Reconomicon! 
my god! <laughs> Why, I, again, we have sound effects. You do not need to provide them. That's okay. That was another point on the audience feedback is that they like it when I do them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nevermore. Boom, boom, boom. That's them. That was Tell a heartbeat. Heart. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Um. <laughs> all right, my recommendation is the Cleansing Hour from 2019. Hey, we just watched that. Uh, we just watched this with my mom, <laughs> and I won't say that it's great, but it is kind of fun. And if you know anything about streaming, they're like in movie technology will annoy the hell out of you. So be careful. That's the Cleansing Hour from 2019. My recommendation is Hell Night from 1981. This movie is an American slasher film mixed with haunted house themes, but it stars Linda Blair. Beep, beep, beep. Holy cow. Uh, and it's actually a really good movie. It doesn't, I feel like it's less known compared to the typical like American slasher films, but uh, it's really, really great. I like it a lot. I watched it for the first time last year. That's Hell Night from 1981. <laughs> it's time for Dinner Facts. This is the portion of our podcast where Shar and I invite you into our relationship, poly style, where after we watch a horror movie, we cuddle up in bed all scared and scurred, and we look up trivia facts to desensitize us and make us realize that it's just a movie with, just a pea, movie. with pea soup and mechanicals and whatnot. <laughs> I did the trivia yes, this you did. Time, except for the budget and stuff. Shar always does those. So the budget was an estimated $11 million. Whoa. That's a lot for a room. And just a demon that did all the, the practical effects for you. Yeah, so. what the heck? The opening weekend in the States was a meager $8 million. Only? Oh, gosh. I mean, that's that's nothing compared to their cumulative worldwide gross, which is $441 million. Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah, they, <laughs> I, think, I think they did pretty good for like an indie movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, an indie movie of $11 million. Measly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is a very well-known film, so I'm not surprised. Uh, so as I mentioned, um, there's basically 441 million trivia facts about this movie. Mm -hmm. So not only did I have to narrow it down, but also like, I don't think I didn't see, I didn't read all of them. So there might be better ones in here than mm -hmm. the ones I picked. Do you have one about the voice actor for the demon? Uh, I don't, but there's a couple good ones about that. Uh, I can hijack it because I just remember it. Oh, do you remember it now? Yeah. Okay. She um, had, she literally performed the voice of drunk. Yeah. Super drunk. She uh, had to get like cigarettes and stuff. She was a recovered alcoholic, but the uh, producers of the film loved her voice. I don't know her name. So you can. Uh, Mercedes McCambridge. Yes. McCambridge. Thank you. Um, it wasn't just that uh, she, uh, I think if she ate raw eggs, uh, she drank. A bunch of liquor and smoked a bunch of cigarettes and then strapped herself down so she could get like the wild motions, but also had a priest present so that she wouldn't relapse. Yeah. Uh, and the director said that it scared the shit out of him and he did not want to work with her again. I heard that he was the one that made her strap herself to the chair. Maybe. But and it also she said that it him. didn't need if that didn't need to be. A oh, thing. I don't know. There Again, there's so many <laughs> trivia facts that anyone could write anything. But that makes sense. Uh, yeah. She intense. also sued because she wasn't credited. Um, for oh, the movie. wow. Yeah. That's dumb. And then the director said she didn't want to be. So <laughs> who's to say? It is really cool, though, that they specifically wanted somebody that didn't really sound either 
too far on either side of the gender binary. Mm. They wanted somebody that was sort of in the middle there. And um, that's why they went with her because they remembered her from a radio show. Ooh. <clears throat> also, kids, if you want to be a voice actor, don't don't do all those things. It'll fuck that's up your throat and you won't so be able to bad. voice act anymore. Just I, FYI, just learn how to do the voice or find roles that fit your voice. Yeah, I did one Walla session that was like 90% screaming the whole time. And that was only four hours. And my throat, my voice was dead for like five days after yes. because I just really screamed for it. But I can't imagine doing what she did for the part. I mean, all power to her. That was awesome. But holy crap. Yeah, I would not advise it. Much in the way that I don't advise people to do method acting. If you want to be a voice actor for a long time, take care of your pipes. Yeah. Um, All right. My first fact, and this one's for just for us. (laughs) Alfred Hitchcock apparently turned down the chance to acquire the screen rights to the novel and also turned down the chance to direct the film when another producer bought the rights to the property. Good. Fuck you, Alfred Hitchcock. Missed out on four hundred and forty one personal million dollars. You suck. You suck, Alfred Hitchcock. We hate you. Yeah. I hope someone has a secret door to your coffin so they can pee on you. Oh, my God. Here's a fun one. Uh, Paul Bateson, Paul Bateson, who plays an assistant in the arteriogram scene, was a real x-ray tech at NYU Medical Center where the scene was shot. Hey. Pretty fun fact so far, right? Yeah. In 1979, he was convicted of the murder of a film critic and was sentenced to 20 years in jail. Ah, so fun. Mm -hmm. Pretty fucked up, right? He also bragged that he was behind the murder of six men who were dismembered, put into garbage bags, and thrown into the Hudson River. Uh-huh. Pretty fun, right? Yep. The whole story revolving around the bag murders were later fictionalized in Cruising from 1980, which is also directed by William Friedkin. Ah! <laughs> that fact was a wild ride! Holy uh, cow. Good times. There was like a random fact that was like there are two serial killers involved with uh, the sh- or with the exorcist. And one of them is a character from a later movie. Oh. But then one of them was this guy. Wow. Also, I finished my drink and it's so good. I'm so happy. I finished it a while ago because I had to chug it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My next fact. Yes. In the book, it's made more clear that Father Marin's dig is possibly what unleashed Pazuzu which is the name of the demon. Ooh. And that Reagan using the Ouija board is how Bazuzu found her and gained access into her world. They also make it more clear that Reagan was the one that desecrated the church as they find modeling clay that was used to make the decorations in her house. Oh. Which is kind of interesting because the cop comes in and specifically picks up one of those decorations, which just kind of seems like apropos of nothing. Yeah. But apparently that's because at the crime scene they found modeling clay. Oh, okay. My next fact, Linda Blair hated vegetables so much at the time that the use of the pea soup actually made her vomit. So there you go, mom. You and Linda Blair are the same person. (laughs) You did it. You're in the picture shows. Oh, my gosh. I love pea soup. I don't think it tastes like vegetables at all. I I mean, it's made with peas, but it's so good. I don't actually know if I've had pea soup. Maybe it's like an appy at a restaurant sometime. Yeah. for some reason, my mom never made it for me, and I don't I know why. why. But yeah, it's very Quebecois, especially if you put little cubes of ham in it. Oh, so good. The only time that I've had like an association with pea soup is in Scooby-Doo, when they used to say the fog was as thick as pea soup, and then <laughs> Shaggy would try to eat it. Um, nom, 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 nom. Next fact. The demon's name, which is Pazuzu, is an ancient Assyrian demon god of fertility and the harvest. But 
it also might possibly be the devil of Christianity. Father Merritt is seen facing off against a statue of Pazuzu early in the film when he is taking part in a dig at an Assyrian ruin, but they do find evidence of Christianity there. The demon in Ragan also reacts to symbolism of Christianity, like the cross and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't referenced in Assyrian mythology or theology. Uh, and uh, Ragan's demon also refers to hell, which was also not a part of Assyrian belief. Uh, it's theori- theorized that Pazuzu and the devil are either the same thing or that Pazuzu is- actually became a minion of the devil or that there's some sort of like amalgam of demonic souls inside of her. Did we did it ever explain why the holy water what that wasn't holy water affected her? Um, I don't think so. Or it was the demon trying to fuck with people. Yeah. Like making you think that it was working, but it wasn't working or. Yeah. I always like the theory that the demons aren't being like exercised because of specific uh, like symbolism and stuff. I always like the idea that demons don't like someone of strong will and faith. Yeah, and so that, it's just the belief. Yeah, whatever you're throwing at this thing will scare it away, which I wish that people would explore more because that seems cool. Um, I throw bananas at you! Yes. My, bananas from God! I mean, if you're the belief of the harvest, then sure. <laughs> um, either way, it's also implied that there are several souls inside of Regan, including Father uh, Karaz's mother, um, and that even offers Father Karaz to join them. So... It's kind of like it's collecting souls. Oh, I thought it was just impersonating the mom. But it never heard his mom before, and it did a perfect impression. I think that's because it's a demon. Whoa. Either way, there's a lot of like different theories about what it actually is and whether it is actually Pazuzu, but in the book, it's called Pazuzu. Such a funny name, Pazuzu. Yeah, (laughs) it makes you want to say it a lot. Pazuzu! Ellen Bernstein, uh, Chris, the mother, uh, was hesitant to do the stunt where she is thrown across the room uh, to the wall and asked when William Friedkin, the director, to not have them pull the rope too hard. They ended up pulling the rope as hard as possible, permanently injuring her spine. Fuck. Yeah. You. Uh, Why? Did he do that on purpose, or did he not tell them to I, not pull it too hard? I don't know. <laughs> but then in uh, another movie that he did, uh, the actress specifically didn't want to do a stunt because of his reputation, so they ended up changing the stunt so that uh, Interesting. She, she could trust him. Fucking douche. <laughs> William Friedkin, you're on my list now. Yeah. It's not a list you want to <laughs> be on. It's like the Arya Stark list. <laughs> I'm going to pee on you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, With the yeah, drink is, I made this episode. <laughs> is William Friedkin even alive? I don't know. <laughs> I've, I have no clue if he's still alive. Uh, I just find it funny that I made a drink based on pee. Uh, no, he appears <laughs> to still be alive. Damn. Uh, My next fact is this is another movie where basically every man in Hollywood was considered for the the role of uh, Father Keras. Ah, yeah, I see that for sure. Because like um, for Marin, you need like a tall, scary God man. Yeah. But for Keras, it could have literally been like anybody like you could picture like any grizzled guy. Yeah. Any other horror dude. Basically, you could do that role. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was like a whole lit. Again, all these trivia facts are like, this person was considered. This person was yeah. considered. I'm like, oh my God. Just- Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. But much in the way of uh, Misery, where they basically considered everyone for that role. This is the favorite film of Mark Kermode, who is a uh, film critic that I really like listening to. Hmm. And Kane Hodder. Hey, Jason. So that's cool. That is cool. To... One horror icon and one 
British movie guy I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I did have this fact. This uh, features the only Oscar-nominated performance of Jason Miller, who's Father Carras, and Linda Blair. No. So they never received any other nominations after this. That's too bad. But her performance was amazing. Yeah. She did such a good job. Especially at that age. I know. It's such heavy stuff to be dealing with. So wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She didn't even have an audition to, uh, scheduled. She just walked in with her mom. And they just possessed her? Yep. And then just started filming? Yep. Sounds good. <laughs> she was just, she had read the book and was aware of the part and they had auditioned over 2,000 girls for the show and they couldn't find anybody and they didn't want to like taint a child for mm. the show. Uh, but then she like already knew everything and she was like, yeah, she does a lot of bad stuff and like went into detail about everything. And they're like, all right, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Also, I didn't include this fact, but uh, so the actress uh, or so Chris is supposed to be like early thirties, right? Yeah. And father Perez is, or Father Marin is supposed to be like 72. Yeah. Uh, the actor who plays Marin is only four years older than the actress who plays Chris. Wow. They just used a bunch of like prosthetics and stuff to make them look older. Huh. That's yeah. cool. Do you have a final yeah. thought? I do have a final thought. It's a short one. Uh, if you've watched The Exorcist before, I highly advise you to watch it again. Because much like me, you might find more stuff in it that you didn't see the first time. Yeah, I did enjoy watching it for the second time. My final thought is just not about this movie at all, but (laughs) that I'm so excited to be back with Drinking and Screaming. And it's actually the perfect day today. It's snowing. Mm -hmm. So it's just meant to be. And um, I'm just really happy and glad that the show is still going on. We're in four seasons. We didn't pod fade. We're in a fifth wheel. We're not in the four seasons. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Well, that's been The Exorcist, a movie about a little girl for like 90% of the movie, but then some dude shows up and they name it after him. <laughs> Next week, we'll be watching our Patreon-voted film, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge from 1985. And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and local designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drinkandscream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com.